But I love it. I love it when there's a million things going on at once. And it's a challenge to make them all work within a frame. They got all these family pictures over the years and thinking, wow, I think the Pope brought you to me. I mean, I was... <laughs> Hello fellow photographers, in this episode I'm talking with American photographer Susan Gandell, and we are talking about her new book At Home, published by Stanley Barker. It is a project Susan spent more than 10 years on and she photographed many families at their homes. My name is Martin and this is podcast about photography. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode. Make sure you're subscribed if you want to be notified when I post new episodes. And also, there is one thing I would love you to do. I would be very thankful if you could go and give this podcast 5-star rating and a review. If you like this content and you think other people might enjoy it as well, feel free to take a screenshot and throw it out on your Instagram story or share it with your friends. All the information can be also found in the description. And there is one last thing I would like to mention. We are also discussing some photographs and stories. Since the podcast is audio only experience if you want to see the images we are talking about then visit aboutphotography.blog and you can find them all in the dedicated post or visit my youtube channel where you can find this interview in a video form now without any further ado let's talk about photography my guest today is american photographer susan candell hello susan how are you doing today thank you for joining me yes yes thank you so uh, let me start at the beginning. Uh, you have started with photography when you received a camera as your graduation gift after college, right? And yeah. moving fast forward, you have attended classes at Creative Photography Lab at MIT, where you also partly work in exchange for the classes. How did that happen? Well, it's a bit of a story, but I, I had spent the previous summer in Idaho doing an introductory photography workshop and just got really excited about it. I just had to find a way to keep doing this when I came back to Boston. So um, I had thought that Minor White was the head of the photo department at MIT. And I really loved his photography at that point. And uh, I just dropped in there to see if there's any way I could take a class and also have access to a darkroom. And uh, found out that he wasn't there anymore or he he was on leave. Um, there were four photography instructors and one of them said, she can be in my class. So that's how I came to work, study with Todd Papa George um, at MIT. And uh, that was a great place. The, the Creative Photo Lab at MIT was under the architecture department. It was an enclave that was very different from the rest of MIT as far as I could tell. Um, but I ended up spending about four years there, um, taking classes and also and using the darkroom. And in exchange for working like eight hours a week, I would paint walls. I would help hang shows in the gallery. I would mop floors and mix chemicals and uh, give out equipment and do all, all that kind of thing. And uh, I thought I got a very good deal. It worked out very well. So you actually learned also during the... Uh, during the, your part-time work there, right? Working with the equipment and yes. in the dark room. Right, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was a big da- gang dark room and with these big vats of chemicals that I'd have to mix up and like that. So did you do that for other photographers? You know, work in the dark room? 
Um, no, it was kind of an arrangement. Somehow I, I just was allowed to stay on at MIT even after Todd Papa George taught there that one year. Then he moved over to Harvard and I took his class at Harvard. Ah, okay. But but I just continued having the use of the dark room at MIT in exchange for working those hours. So it, it worked out yeah. super well. Some stroke of luck actually. And it was also a stroke of luck that Todd happened to be the one that spoke up and said I could be in his class because I wouldn't have known the difference at that point. But he was oriented, you know, I came there looking for minor white and the kind of photography that I was interested in doing was along those lines of, you know, somehow being sort of cosmic, sort of spiritual, somehow getting your interior state of mind onto this piece of paper. And Todd's approach was entirely different. It was much more about the world out there and really capturing a piece of time and space in, in this frame. And uh, a few years later, John Sarkowski came out with, he was the uh, director of photography at the Museum of Modern Art in New York, and he came out with a book called Mirrors and Windows. And in a way, those two kind of trends or something are kind of represented here, but Minor White was very much a mirror kind of photographer who was trying to express his own mental state, his own emotional state, whatever, whereas um, Todd was much more in the windows camp of, you know, seeing what there was out in the world and... Uh, you know, he said, you photographer has to be in love with the visible surface of things. And uh, um, I just, I really liked it. And I'm, I'm really glad that Todd was the one that I ended up studying with. So that pulled you in, photography? Yeah, very much so. And Todd arranged also for me to take a workshop with Gary Winogrand, who was a friend of his. Oh, really? And, yeah. Um, and he had brought Winogrand in to speak at MIT. He brought in Versailles. Um, also, which is pretty amazing. Um, but because I took this workshop with Winogrand and, and Winogrand sort of took special interest in my work somehow, um, that was like, that was a big boost and that was a lot of learning. And, uh, it kind of led to my eventually going to mass art, Massachusetts college of art, um, as a grad student, um, in 78. And Mass Art was where Winogrand had done that workshop. So that was sort of my introduction to that place. Is spending time or a workshop with someone like Winogrand, does it, does it boost you more than, you know, attending? I mean, it probably does than attending regular classes, but did you feel more like, okay, I'm inspired. I can see something in my work that changed after, you know, I did this I don't know. Something. I'm not sure about that so much, but it's like a, a very energizing kind of situation. It's so it was a 10 day situation where you met every night in the workshop and all day long you were photographing, developing film, printing. It was, you know, you're living and breathing photography. And uh, it's, that was I, that combined with Winogrand's sort of take on things was it was like a an, uh, an explosive situation it was great explosive in a good way you know uh, just lots of energy so motivation wise yes Winogrand was there he had a cast on his leg and crutches he'd been photographing a football game and got trampled standing on the sidelines photographing he they football players ran him over and he had he was a broken leg and uh, <laughs> bandaged up But he still did the workshop. And did you 
did you adapt some of his style or some of his? Um, I was already kind of in that vein, uh, coming from working with Todd Papageorge. Um, yeah, you know, he would say that he he photographs to see what the world looks, you know, what this piece of time and space looks like in, in a photograph. And he had this enormous appetite and curiosity about the world. And uh, there was one day when I came in and he asked how my shooting had gone that day. And I said, well, I wasn't feeling very inspired. And he says, inspiration has nothing to do with it. <laughs> no, just get out there, just look around. And uh, it's a good thing. Do you think the same? Inspiration is, I mean, is it more important to show up and just you know, do your things over and over, or you were that kind of type, you were waiting for the inspiration? I would at that time, and the point was just to get out there and look around. Um, I photographed crowd scenes a whole lot. I photographed um, just a lot of street photography, but I'd also seek out events where things were happening. Queen Elizabeth came to Boston at some point there. Um, there was the bicentennial of the American Revolution, um, with all these events happening all around Boston. Um, there was some tall ships parade that came into the harbor and millions, well, I don't know, tons of people showed up for that. And I was always looking for just some combination, some, you know, in the, in the flow of, of, of all this stuff, like how can you sort of grab a moment that means something and where the, all the elements of all the details sort of work together to uh, to make a whole and uh, I loved all sort of chaos and and commotion and like that and just would try and grab pieces of it that was very exciting to me at the time the reason I was asking is more like because photography is art right right and uh, when you do a regular job like your nine to five you you show up and you do your part but I think or it seems to me that it might be hard to force yourself to be, you know, creative from nine to five, right? And, uh, but to produce a body of work, it takes a lot of time, right? Did you ever have time when you thought, I'm just, you know, not feeling it today and I'm not going outside, I'm, th this might not be for me, you know, doing a career in photography? Well, actually the hard part, um is making a living. And for many years, I was working as a waitress in a restaurant. I would work at night in the restaurant and then have the daytimes pretty free, which worked well for a while, although it started wearing thin after, you know, I was just getting worn out by it. But um, figuring out, I went to Mass College of Art to get a, a master's degree in photography in order to be able to teach photography um, at the college level. And I did do some of that part-time taught for, I don't know, two, three years, but I really didn't like it. And uh, I wasn't all that good at it. So I kind of had to switch out of that that plan. And more years of, of waitressing happened along with, you know, occasionally photographing weddings or doing some other photo job. But for the most part, I I kept photographing totally separate from earning a living. And I would try and come up with these ways to make a, a career out of it that paid, but it, it just sort of didn't happen. And then, and I had avoided working um, in any nine to five job because I thought that that would just um, destroy my ability to, to do any work. And in fact, I ended up getting a job at Harvard um, doing office work uh, in the Graduate School of Education, which I just retired from a few weeks ago. But uh, 
it was a really, I liked the job, I liked the people, I liked the students, it was a good situation, except that it was true that if I was working nine to five, it would be much harder for me to photograph and, and get that work done. And uh, now that I've finally retired, I'm, I'm hoping that I can just, you know, take the time and start looking through my camera again. Pursuing more projects in, in the future. Yes, I do, for sure. Um, I guess after this sort of year and a half of quarantining and being... Um, Inside, I'm actually sort of dying to get out into the world and see what's out there. So that's the point I'm at right now. Let's talk about your book, At Home. When Pope John Paul II came to the Boston Common, you were there taking pictures. But unlike other photographers, you did not want to take pictures of the Pope, but rather of the people who came to see him. Did you already have project in mind Or was it something you decided on the spot? Um, I had it in mind. I didn't necessarily have the families in their homes part in mind. I was I'd been photographing at a beach near Boston, Revere Beach, um, for several years. And I had started to get to want to get closer to the people on the beach. And and Revere Beach was very much a family beach, or at least this one big section of it. Um, the families would be there in their same spots every day or nearly year after year, this is where these people would be and these people, etc. And uh, I started wanting to come in closer. I, you know, in my early few years in photographing, I had kind of in photographing on the street or uh, events and stuff, I had tried to stay as invisible as possible. And just, you know, I'm sort of the stealth photographer or something. It's like the minute people noticed I was there, I would likely okay. leave and move on to the next the next scene or something. Um, and the pictures were more like a scene, elements, all different elements, hopefully working together to make a, a whole photograph that added up to something. But uh, as I started wanting to get in closer, it didn't, it meant not staying so invisible. And that was a bit of a transition where I would actually, um, talk with the people, sort of check in, is it okay if I take some photos, etc. So um, that was kind of the direction I was moving in. And then the summer ended, no more Revere Beach, and uh, I was trying to figure out a way to photograph families that, you know, and just in some other situation. So that's what brought me to the Boston Common when the Pope came, was just looking to be photographing family groups there and that way it had nothing really to do with the pope it was but you know i had photographed when queen elizabeth came i had photographed all these other um big events and stuff so this was one more of those but one where i would start you know trying to find families um to photograph and so when i met these two families two women who were good friends lived around the corner from each other and there were eight children between them um And I, I got to chatting with them, and they said, oh, you should come to our house. We have more younger ones at home. And uh, I said, sure, I'd love to. And so that's sort of how it began. And the fact that they invited me made it a lot easier. So I went on to photograph those people in their homes. Um, that went on for maybe 10 or 12 years. And uh, it was an extremely uh, productive relationship. And that the first time... The first time that I photographed them, uh, we photographed for a while at one of the homes and then went around the corner to the other folks' house and photographed there. 
Um, four of the pictures in my book came from that one day. It was just, it was, it felt like it was just all there. They were, they were terrific. And uh, I was super energized. And then they invited me for Thanksgiving dinner. You know, it continues to go on. They would stay in touch. As much as I would contact them, they would contact me and say, you know, there's a new baby, there's a christening, you want to come photograph or, uh, you know, some birthday or whatever. So you made friends. Uh, Yeah. You became yeah. close to the, the families you photographed? I wouldn't say close as much as, um, well, a lot of mutual affection. And, you know, there were a few things that happened. Like, I hurt my back at one point and I couldn't work for a couple of months. And I think one of these moms was calling to ask if I could photograph some birthday or something or other. And I told her I'd hurt my back and I couldn't, I couldn't get out or do any of it and you know that I wasn't working at my waitressing job. And she said, oh, geez, if you, if you can't work, if you lose your apartment because you can't work, you can move in with us. Oh. And I was just stunned by that. I mean, that, you know, there is a small apartment. That's very nice. Yeah. And that she would just extend that um, was amazing. I, you know, there was a, a strong personal connection. I, I felt almost like a part of their families, which was great. You know, there were those photo sessions with them over the years, but I started looking for other families that I might be able to photograph in their homes. That's when I started sort of roaming around in bowling alleys and supermarkets and just the streets in my neighborhood and other neighborhoods looking for people who just there was something that just intrigued me about them. And I would approach them. And a lot of times I had some some photographs with me that I could show them that I had taken of other families and, and uh, see if they'd be willing. And uh, enough of them were. I mean, plenty of people said no. Okay. Uh, but enough said yes. And, you know, with, with a lot of those, there were repeat visits to their homes or they would refer me to other families that, uh, that were friends of theirs that it might be interesting to photograph. So, so that just kind of, it took on some sort of a momentum and it, I just, I kept at it. From photographic standpoint, as you have photographed both people outside on streets and inside at their homes, What was the most difficult part for you as a photographer in this scene transition, right? Because people behave differently outside and inside, especially in their homes. Yeah, the hard part always for me was, was approaching people that I didn't know and making this preposterous request. Um, but the thing about it was that, you know, once, once we had the agreement, then I had the permission. And, you know, I was in their home, I had their permission. And unlike being outdoors where the, you have to keep negotiating that over and over again, can you photograph these people or being invisible or whatever like that? It's like this was a situation where I had the permission. It's okay for me to be there. It's okay for me to just go ahead and photograph. And, and uh, it became easier. And it became how easier. difficult is it to get like candid pictures when when you actually have the permission? So... Someone would say it's not, you know, like a candid picture, but then you kind of blend into the environment, right? And then you stay there for quite some time to, to get yeah. those moments. I was very much not interested in posed photographs, although there were times when I would say, could you stand over against that wall? Um, and there are things that are a bit more posed. But for the most part, what I wanted the candids. I wanted the sort of flow that I could select moments out of. And, and uh, the people who were better at, at just sort of letting me blend in 
are the people that I went back to over and over again. And, and uh, you know, they they just got used to my being there and uh, carried on, which was great. And was there ever it. like a situation they told you not to photograph something once you were actually inside? No, I don't remember ever having a situation like that. Um, I had pretty much free reign. I might suggest moving into a different room, but apart from that, they seemed fine with my being there. Some people were a little bit more uncomfortable, a little bit more awkward, and I didn't stay very long there. It was, <laughs> you know, it just wasn't going to happen. When you started with the project, did you have an idea how this is going to work out? And how did it actually work out, you know, in the end? I started this project, actually, this was my last semester um, at Mass College of Art, and I needed a thesis project. So I expected that when the semester ended, I would have completed this project and move on to something else. But actually, when the semester ended, I felt like I just barely begun. So um, I never anticipated that I would keep at this for some years, but that's how it turned out. I just kept being excited about that and who's going to be the next family and what's it going to, you know, what will their home be like and what will, what will they be like? Um, it just kept fascinating me so i just kept going and at one point you just said like this is enough i actually like finished the project i'm I'm not gonna do this because i expect you don't do it you know until today right at some point i was doing it less and less and um it felt like it kind of wound down in some natural way in a way it was, i just started feeling like i was done with it i continued photographing my own family and my husband's own family after that, but, but not so much these other people. Is there like a, uh, we were talking about some of your favorite or interesting uh, images with interesting stories. So mm -hmm. I would like to talk to you about the one with the boy and the kissing father. Why do you like this picture? Is it something important for you or interesting story? There are actually two boys. I see one lying and sleeping on the couch right and the other one with with his father yeah. i guess yes this in this picture the father they're, they're all on, on a couch the father is embracing his son the son is three or four years old um is embracing him in a way that looks kind of rough um it looks like the child is sort of trying to fend him off in a way um and I like this picture because it's sort of this two-sided thing. Um, I feel like a lot of my pictures are both funny but maybe a little disturbing. And uh, I like it when it feels like it's on that edge. And this picture, it's both it's a loving embrace, and yet it's kind of scary. Boy <laughs> seems like he's, you know, a little overwhelmed by it, a little bit, you know, <laughs> feeling almost mauled or something by his, by his father. So there's both things going on. And uh, I like that. Uh, tension, I guess, between being, uh, it's like that uh, pleasures and terrors um, of domestic comfort, that t the title of that exhibition and, and book from the Museum of Modern Art, it's like both pleasure and terror. It's both, it's a little disturbing, but it's also a little funny. So I like that part. But I guess uh, this was probably like a regular situation or regular, you know, if it wasn't posed for the camera. Uh, they probably, you know, did it like often. I mean, like loving father so. with his kids. Uh -huh. And they weren't doing that specifically for me. But uh, yes, I imagine it. I mean, it's I have those memories myself of, of being 
squeeze too hard or grab too hard by a, a loving parent or grandparent. So, you know, it's it may be a common thing. Seeing moments like this that I guess can happen like pretty quickly, were there like situations you thought to yourself like, wow, I, I just missed a nice moment? Like, did you get like often All into time. those? Sure. That I wasn't fast enough to get there before it dissipated. <laughs> sure. Frustrating, but you can't dwell on it. Oh, yeah. The other one we briefly talked about is the dinner in the in the living room. There is, if you if we can briefly describe a picture. So there is like a, a girl and a probably who is probably a grandfather or father with another baby lying on the bed. Right. What is so special about this series of... Uh, dinner and the, the girls. This picture actually was Thanksgiving dinner at the home of one of these original two families that I photographed. And I think it's kind of mysterious in the picture. You see these place settings um, near the bed and um, it's probably unclear. Well, it is unclear what's going on. Um, the little girl is about two years old or something in the uh, in the corner who's looking back at someone who appears to be a grandfather on the bed with a, a a little baby on the bed. And uh, and the little girl, the two-year-old, has a toy gun oh, really? that she's holding yeah. down. But it's a, it's a toy gun. And to me, the story becomes, um, it suggests that the, the little girl was once her grandfather's favorite, but now she's been replaced by <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. younger one on the bed. And she's got the gun to, you know, almost pointing at them. Um, Threatening. Yeah, yeah, which I find funny. But, um, I mean, that's the drama that seems to be happening. In fact, this, you know, the reality of the situation is that this guy is not her grandfather. He's some family friend. But in the in the picture, the fiction of the picture is that, you know, it's a grandfather type. Pictures can tell a story that have absolutely nothing to do with the real situation that's going on at the time. But, the, you know, if you can get it to work together... The elements of the picture to work together to, to suggest a story that becomes something else. It becomes something separate from the reality. It, um, it becomes its own reality. That's you know when it's working. That uh, it just really fascinates me. The other thing was this was this was Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, it doesn't look like it. But what in there's in the nearby kitchen there are place settings for the seven adults, and, and this is these uh, places laid out are like the kids' table. The bed is there because this is actually the parents' bedroom that's right adjacent to the kitchen in a room that would have um, been a dining room, but it was the parents' bedroom. Then there were other, you know, kids' bedrooms. So I, I think that it just sort of adds to the sort of mystery of why why are these place settings there and why are why are the kid and the grandfather sort of dressed up and you know what's going on. So a lot of people came over, or was was it a big family? Well, it was. Two families together, the two families I had originally met uh, on Boston Common, and some family friends and all. So yeah, it was and the eight children that were between the two families, you know, ranging in age from probably about twelve down to you know a few months. The other picture is with two girls and a boy, also having a gun in his hand, and what it appears to be some kind of animal in the in the cage and the girl also has uh, another gun so this yeah. was a house full of guns same it's just the same evening 
and the same bed, as a matter of fact. And uh, I see the, you know, the kids, what look, I don't know anything about guns, really, but what looks like some kind of an assault rifle toy gun <laughs> yeah. pointing to the cage where this, I don't know if it's a hamster or a gerbil or a guinea pig, I don't know one from the other, but looks like she's, she's shooting this little animal <laughs> and the boy is standing there with a, a gun against his head in some fashion. And uh, I, I just think it's a funny scene. There's also another picture with the girl hiding... Uh behind the dresser right not sure and if that's she's having gone or <laughs> i got the feeling she's uh the same girl that was shooting the hamster in that other picture but yeah there's a lot of commotion going on there's a lot of mayhem which of course i love but um this looks like that that was she's like half hiding behind the dresser in a way that suggests that that's her refuge like she's pulling out of the mayhem for a few minutes <laughs> um getting something to drink looking around but just like separating herself with and uh, hiding a bit but then you know a minute later she's out there running around again but I like that it looks like that's kind of her spot mm -hmm. I like how the pictures can separate the moments and sometimes even say something completely different than what the situation was we also yeah. talked about uh, the boys there are three boys in, in the picture right. and two of them are lying on her mother in a chair yes when when you first at first glance it looks like there's just one boy lying on top of the mother in the chair but then there's another one under him so uh and the mother looks like she's had it um and the, and there's another boy sitting in a chair on the left this family was amazing um there were the first time i photographed them there were six kids in the family under the age of six including one-and-a-half-year-old twins and two-and-a-half-year-old twins. And in later years, when I, I went back and photographed them, some years later, the mother had taken in, or the family, also a, a father, had taken in some foster kids. She just, like, missed having babies in the house. So um, the mother probably, you know, she looks kind of spent in the picture with the boys lying across her on the chair, but she was, you know, in, in actuality, she was a, a very, very devoted and loving mother so that's just you know another a fictional kind of situation there's also another picture of her with the three kids one is crying and the other one is lying on the bed and she's uh taking care of the third one which i believe is probably a girl uh i think Dressed. so yeah right and that's yeah. the same is it the same this... woman yes It's the same woman a couple years earlier. Okay. And and the boy lying on the bed who's making a fist who looks looks angry. <laughs> I, I just like these things that are all going on simultaneously. But I love it. I love it when there's a million things going on at once. And it's a challenge to make them all work within a frame. You know, make make something happen in that frame that hangs together um, in the midst of this flow of of stuff, this flow of action and and stuff being like you know all the cl the clutter and the various things that are you know in the background on the walls um piled on the floor whatever i i, I really like all that stuff and the, and the relation between the stuff and the people in the picture does it bring memories revisiting your work after you know quite some time like let's say are there any pictures you initially didn't like but then when you saw it after i guess like 20 30 years you just thought like Wow, I didn't really like this one, and now I think it's pretty good. Or the other mm -hmm. way around? I, there might be a little bit of the other way around. But, uh, 
you know, picture, there's a little bit of shifting in pictures that are favorites, but uh, some of them stay pretty constant. It was good to see them again after not really looking at them much for for some years. Reminds me of all, all of that work and, and all those people and those homes and stuff. It's a good feeling. Did you have someone to talk about this, like an advisor or someone from the publisher who helped you with the sequencing or who told you, like, we should add this picture because... We think it can help the overall uh, package of, of the book. I left the sequencing to them, um, and I'm, I'm pleased with the way it turned out. There are any number of different possible configurations, but, you know, I would have gotten lost in it. <laughs> so I'm glad that they, they did that. And uh, what else? there were some, there are a few pictures that were going to be in that I said, I, I don't think those should be in, and but I'd like to add these instead. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit of back and forth like that, but not a whole lot, really. Yeah, the book we talk about is, is this one, as we mentioned it. Is there like a special story about this girl on the cover of the book? Uh-huh. Or is, was it just the one you thought would be the best suited for cover of your book? Again, it was the, it was the publishers that selected that okay. for the cover. <laughs> What's, it, was a, it, was, it was kind of funny. It was a situation where the little girl was insisting on putting on her party dress. And her mother was saying, no, no, no. So she just... <laughs> grabbed it and put it on over whatever clothes she was wearing and uh, she looks kind of defiant. She sort of won that battle. <laughs> she had no idea she's going to end up on a cover of a book one one day. Uh, I wonder if she will ever see it. <laughs> that would be funny. You said or I read somewhere you are not in touch with the families anymore, right? I'm not. It's been a long time. And those kids are those kids are all grown up. It's amazing. I just thought when you when you photographed at their place, did you give them prints or did you let them sign like a consent or you didn't just I gave them it at prints. that time? Um, no, I did. I did give them prints. And I I always would um, make sure to t- take like a group family picture, get everyone, you know, sitting together or standing together or whatever <laughs> and, and take some group shots because people want those. They like those. So, yeah. And then I would in some cases take the pictures to them in some cases mail the pictures to them but yeah there was there was that exchange and they see, seem to feel like they got something out of that exchange i felt like i i got an enormous amount but uh it was funny one of one of these two original mothers a few years later said something about feeling like the pope had brought me to them <laughs> they got all these family pictures over the years and that just amazed me i was thinking wow i think the pope brought you to me i mean i was <laughs> I think I, I probably got the better end of the deal, but uh, yeah, the Pope himself wasn't really that. I mean, significant to me. I wasn't interested in the Pope, and it, it wasn't specifically that it was a religious event or anything. It just seemed like a good opportunity. Um, I became fascinated by a lot of these homes that had a lot of Catholic iconography around, you know, oh, pictures and little statues and stuff like that. And uh, I loved having those in the backgrounds of, of the pictures. Um, I didn't necessarily know the significance of, of particular ones of them, but my husband is Catholic and he could interpret things and say, oh, that's Our Lady of something or other or uh, whatever. He would, you know, certain, different poses meant different things. I, you know, I just, I liked them visually a whole lot. As you were going through the pictures for this project, did you find, uh, you know, and other projects you might be interested in publishing in the future? Or did you thought like there are 
other projects do you might rather be publishing instead of this one? Um, definitely not um, another project instead of this one. When I was doing this work, it was mainly in the 80s, a little bit in the 90s. I felt like I felt like it would make a good book, but I had no notion of how I would go about making that happen. And uh, this kind of fell in my lap. But other projects, um, possibly, I have a number of, of photographs of party situations. Okay. I photographed at some high school proms, some family celebrations, um, a dance hall kind of place, ballroom dance place uh, in Revere, actually, where I saw some of the same people as I had seen on Revere Beach. Um, so different things like that, a kid party that, you know, there may be enough of those to be, make an interesting book. I have, I have no decisions at this point. It's actually quite similar in the sense that you get to the parties or to those proms or the situations and you have the permission to photograph and then you're trying to catch those uh, those moments that are you yeah. know, more casual, but still people mm. are Some accepting the photographer in, in the environment, right? Although there's, you know, I didn't always get the permission I should have gotten and was <laughs> occasionally asked to stop, but um, that whole permission question does come up a bit. And apart from your past project, are there any projects you would like to do in the future you haven't started yet? something you might dream about? I'm not really sure at this point. I feel like I've been released both from working on a job and from quarantine. And so, you know, I'm, I just want to get out in the world and with my camera. You know, I, I found, it's funny, when I first started photographing, I realized that when I had a camera with me, I noticed so many things that I had not noticed before. And I, you know, I think I tend to be a bit oblivious in general. But when I have a camera with me, I started... I start seeing a lot more things. And uh, so that's what I'm, I'm ready to do now is, is get out there with the camera and see where I go. Are you going to travel? No states or even like uh, Europe, continents, Asia? I love to go to Europe um, where I've been a couple of brief times. Um, no specific plans right now, though, other than uh, getting to Cape Cod over the summer, Cape Cod in Massachusetts, where I go every year. Um, You know, I'm feeling kind of wide open and ready to see what's next. So I would like to thank all the families that let me come into their homes and uh, who shared that that part of, of their lives with me, that, that kind of personal, intimate space that the home is. And so, you know, I'm really grateful to those families. Thank you once again for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to it. Please give this podcast a five-star rating review and please take a screenshot and throw it out on your instagram story so other people might find it as well come back next week because i will be talking to torsten overgaard about his photography i'm very happy you are tuning in for another episode of podcast about photography until next time